invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, verses 30 through the end of the chapter. If you're using the Bibles in the chairs around you, you can find it on page 894. Here at the end of John 8, we're going to see a conflict spark and uh, between Jesus and the Jews, and it's, it's going to escalate from something kind of small all the way up uh, to an attempted mob murder. So, uh, so what does Jesus say here that escalates things so quickly? So uh, wait to read along with me as I read here from John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. As he was saying these things, Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies." But because, I tell the, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, 
If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, help us to hear it, to believe it, to keep it and obey it, and to persevere in it. Grow us in our love for you and for your word. And Lord, if there is anyone here today who has not yet been freed by you, we pray, O Christ, that you would free them from their chains of sin, their chains of slavery to Satan and to this world and even to death. We pray for you to do this great work today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many kids here are familiar with the song, Father Abraham? Yeah? Okay, good. Yeah? A few, few kids there? Okay. Um, well, yeah, I love that song. It uh, goes, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great song. It's a, it's a favorite of, uh, of my kids. And uh, it usually ends with us, uh, you know, singing with, with our tongues out, spinning around in a circle, flailing all of our limbs, and then eventually we crash down to the, uh, to the floor. So uh, just, yeah, we just love that song. Um, I also love the theology of it. I, uh, I love how it teaches uh, uh, about Abraham. Abraham's important and, and that he had, he, had, he had many children and that we can be one of his children as well. Now, I'm, I'm not descended from Abraham and I'm not sure if there are many here today uh, who are either. Um, so how can we become children of Abraham and is that even important uh, for, for Christians? Well, Father Abraham, he is, he's claimed uh, by three of the world's major world religions. Uh, there's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. These religions are called the Abrahamic religions. And when you put the population, uh, populations of all three of these uh, major world religions together, you get about 4.2 billion people. Okay, so, uh, so uh, over half of the world's population claims Abraham as, uh, as, as one of their most significant fathers of their religion. So, who can rightfully claim Abraham as their father, and uh, what difference, if any, does it make? Well, as we see in John 8, this issue of having Abraham as your father is very important. It's actually infinitely important. And it all depends on what it means to be an offspring of Abraham. Now, before we tackle uh, what the Bible says about Abraham and the importance of being one of his children, uh, let's just you know start where Jesus starts in John 8 here. And, and uh, let's see how the topic of Abraham begins and develops. 
Uh, today we'll have three main points uh, to, this, to this message. Uh, the first is uh, the mark of a true disciple. The mark of a true disciple. And then the second point, and it's going to be the largest as well, it's uh, three true but offensive teachings of Jesus. Three true but offensive teachings of Jesus. And then the third is the blessings of abiding in Jesus' words. The blessings of abiding in Jesus' words. All right, so let's begin with the mark of a true disciple. We see in this context that Jesus is uh, he, he's teaching in the temple treasury uh, in Jerusalem, and that that's an open air court within the temple complex. Uh, and this is this temple court um, was where both men and women uh, could gather. And, uh, verse thirty says that many believed in Jesus while he was teaching there. So things appear to be going well. But as we see time and time again in the Gospel of John, uh, when something on the surface appears to be one thing, Jesus will reveal it to be something quite different. In verse 31, Jesus addresses these Jews who had believed in him. And he addresses them because he's, gonna, he's going to test them to see if they truly believe in him. What kind of faith do they have? Is their faith, uh, is it a genuine saving faith? Or is it a fickle faith? The kind that comes and then goes never to return again. Already in the Gospel of John, we've seen this kind of fickle faith. Uh, we saw it in, uh, at the end of chapter 2. Uh, we also saw it in chapter 6 uh, when Jesus taught about, uh, about people saying that they needed to eat his body and, uh, and his flesh and to drink his blood. And, uh, and that shocked a lot of people. And so it said that uh, many who uh, once called themselves disciples of, him, him, uh, of his, they, uh, they ended up leaving him, though the twelve remained. Then we also saw in chapter 7 that Jesus' own brothers, uh, it appeared that, that they were on board with Jesus' ministry and were supportive of it. But then uh, it says in John 7, verse 5, that not even his brothers believed in him. Okay? Um, I think we can be hopeful that his brothers, uh, at, least, you know, at least we know for sure his brother James, who wrote the book of James, uh, that, uh, that they came to faith later. So Jesus, uh, he, so he knew that many of these Jews who were beginning to show indications that they were believing in him, uh, that they, they weren't actually believing in him with real saving faith. And so in verse 31 and 32, Jesus gives the mark of a true disciple. Someone who, is, who has true faith in him. He says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. True disciples of Jesus abide in his word. His words are truth. The words of Jesus, they're, they're always true, and they're true for everyone. They're not just true for people who want them to be true. How we relate to the word of Christ, to the Bible, is an indication, it's a test of how we relate to Jesus himself. True disciples of Jesus abide in the word of Jesus. Okay, so what, is that, what does that little word abide mean? Well, the Greek word here is, is meno. 
And, and it can be translated uh, a, a few different ways. Um, it can mean uh, to remain, to stay, to continue in something, to persevere uh, in something. So in our context here, to abide in the word of Jesus means to not have Jesus' words go in one ear and then out the other. Instead, it means to, to hear it and then to, to, think, about, to think on it and, and to understand it, or at least to, to grow in understanding it, and then to continually believe it throughout your life, and to obey it throughout your life, and to never just completely and permanently reject it. The Apostle Paul, uh, John, he later writes something very similar to this in, uh, in, in 2 John, 2 John verse 9. He says, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So those who go about their life and leave the words of Jesus behind them, they do not have God. God. But for those who abide in the teaching of Christ, they have both the Father and the Son as their God. So our relationship to the Word of Jesus is infinitely important. You cannot say you believe in Jesus or you are a Christian if the Word of God, if the Bible, has no authority over your life. So what's your relationship with the Bible? Do you believe it to be true? Do you have the fruits of obedience and, and uh, do you follow it? Are you persevering in, in holding on to it throughout your life? Then you are a disciple of Jesus. We need not do these things perfectly. No one can obey and follow perfectly. That's not what we're talking about here. But, however, if... If these things are not true of you, then, then this test shows that you are not a true disciple and you need to reconsider your claim to be a Christian. So how did the Jews measure up to this mark of a true disciple? Do they follow the teachings of Jesus? Well, we see in this passage that Jesus, uh, he, he then tests this, this uh, he uses this test of a mark of a, of a true disciple on these Jews who have professed to believe in him. He, he tests them by teaching three main things. And, the, and, and their angry and offensive responses to his teaching reveal that, uh, that they are not truly his disciples. His teachings are true, but instead of the Jews believing him and, and humbly, humbly repenting and, and then following after him, instead of that, they, they, uh, they reject what he says. And these three teachings just they raise the temperature of their anger against him uh, more and more until it just explodes. So Jesus is using his words, he's using his, his teaching as a catalyst to reveal who are truly his disciples and who are imposters. The first teaching of Jesus that we'll look at is in verses 31 through 37. So uh, look with me there. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. 
How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Here Jesus is teaching that these Jews are slaves to sin. They're not free sons as they think they are. This this surprises them and then they they disagree with him, uh, but they ask him to clarify himself. So this teaching here, it it, it begins the conflict. Uh, But right now the temperature of of the anger of the Jews is is fairly low, or at least it's it's hidden. Uh, The Jews didn't consider themselves slaves, even though they were under Roman rule at this time. But they, uh, rather, they considered themselves privileged sons of Abraham who had the God-given right to freedom and to a kingdom of their own. But Jesus wasn't speaking of slavery to a geopolitical nation. Rather, he was speaking of a greater slavery. He said, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. As you, I'm sure uh, that you've experienced it, but but sin doesn't always feel like slavery, does it? A lot of times, sin feels like freedom. But in truth, the longer you live with sin, the more you understand it, you begin to see it is enslaving. When you are a slave to sin, you can only sin. You're not free to choose to do either good or evil. You're enslaved to only the evil, to the will of Satan and to follow the desires of your sinful nature. Anger enslaves you. Lust enslaves you. Pride enslaves you. Covetousness and worldliness enslave you. Vanity enslaves you. Selfish ambition enslaves you. Laziness enslaves you. All sins promise to give you the power and freedom to do something you could never do. To, to have something uh, you've never had, you know, have always wanted to have. Or to be something that you've always wanted to be. But those promises are empty. And in truth, they only keep you imprisoned. Imprisoned in sin. And the wrath of the judgment of God hangs over you. And that is not true freedom. Not at all. But Jesus gives hope. He brings hope here. He just he doesn't just tell them that they're slaves and there's no hope. He says if the son sets you free, you are you will be free indeed. Jesus offers to 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 set you free himself. He does the work himself. So have you tasted of that freedom that Christ is talking about here? This is, this is the freedom from sin. A freedom from guilt. A freedom from shame of the things we've done. This is a freedom from, from Satan and, from, and from, uh, from others who follow after him. It's a freedom from just, 
from being a clone, a clone of the world that just that just does everything else that everybody else does and just you know follows after uh, the rat race of life. To turn away from your sin and come to the cross right now. And the, the cross where your, where your chains will be broken and your spirit will be made alive and free. Jesus offers that freedom to all right now. After Jesus teaches on slavery to, to sin, then his second teaching then comes in verses 38 through 43. Uh, he says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow, so right now Jesus has deeply offended these Jews. Uh, I mean, uh, he, here he's saying three jaw-dropping things uh, about them. Uh, first, he says that Abraham is not their father. And then he says that God is not their father. And then to top it all off, he says that their real father is actually Satan, the devil. So, I mean, talk about offensive, right? Um, you know, telling Jews that their, their, their father is actually Satan and not Abraham and not God. So this really escalates the conflict. The Jews are offended and they begin to get defensive. And in verse 48, we see that then they, they, start, they start to attack. They, they, they verbally uh, attack Jesus and, and they falsely accuse him of having a demon and being a Samaritan. All right, so what is Jesus doing here? How can he say that they are not children of Abraham and not children of God? Back in verse 37, he, he, he called them offspring of Abraham. But now he's saying that they aren't his children. Jesus knew that there are two senses of having Abraham as your father. To be... A physical descendant of Abraham is one thing. But to be a child of Abraham who is an heir of all the promises that God gave to Abraham, that was another thing. That's another thing. Jesus said that these Jews do not have Abraham as their father because uh, they would be doing what Abraham did if they were truly his children. So what did Abraham do? Well, Abraham believed in the word of God. 
But these Jews, hearing from God himself in the person of Christ, they did not believe him. They rejected God's word. Abraham also obeyed God. But these Jews were disobeying God by rejecting the teachings of his son and seeking to kill him instead. So Jesus, so Jesus concluded that these Jews did not have Abraham as their father, but instead their father was Satan. They're like, they are like Satan. They're, they're not like Abraham. They're like Satan. Satan is the father of lies. And so he has rejected God's truth. And he's done that from the very beginning. From the Garden of Eden, Satan said to Eve, uh, you know, did God really say? And he's been doing that uh, ever since then. Uh, tempting and uh, spreading his lies uh, and uh, uh, changing the truth of God into a lie. And so the Jews here are rejecting the words of Jesus and, they're, and thus by doing that they're rejecting God's truth and embracing lies instead just as Satan would. Satan also was a murderer from the beginning. Through his temptation of Adam and Eve he brought about their death and then subsequently then death spread to all mankind. And so he is the father of murder and the father of all murderers. The Jews here hated Jesus and, and, and some, some are starting to, to uh, seek to find a way to kill Jesus. Uh, and, and Jesus knew this. He knew what was in their hearts. And so in this way, they showed themselves to, to have Satan as their father. Because their heart and desire and will was to follow after the purposes of Satan. They were his slaves. As we know from passages like Ephesians chapter 2 and others, everyone is born a slave child to Satan. That's what we're born into. And so we all need to be adopted by another father. We need to be adopted by God. So how can you have Abraham as your father in the sense that Jesus is talking about here? Do those of us with no genetic connection whatsoever to Abraham need to have Abraham as our spiritual father? Well, the Bible's resounding answer to this is yes. You and I, no, no matter who is or isn't in our family tree, uh, we need Abraham as our father. Because if Abraham is our father, then God is our father. Abraham is essential to Christians. He's not just this Old Testament example of a man who had faith. He is also the father of our faith. He is the father of our covenant of grace. And he's, he's the father of the church, of all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there's a few different passages that uh, we could turn to to explain this, and I invite you to check them out for further study. Uh, chap uh, 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 sections like Romans chapter 2 and Romans uh, chapter 4. Um, those would be great passages to study. But let's focus just on Galatians chapter 3. I invite you to turn with me uh, to Galatians 3, uh, verses 6 through 11, and, and you can keep a uh, finger in uh, John chapter 8 because we'll be uh, coming back to it. But let's look here at Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. 
And uh, verse 6 starts right in the, the middle of a sentence, so it's a little awkward uh, to start there. It says, uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the, uh, who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel. Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham becomes our father when we share the same faith as Abraham. And Abraham's faith was a faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember we just read here that that the gospel was preached to Abraham. And so although Abraham didn't uh, he, he didn't know Jesus name and, and he didn't know the fullness and all the uh, all the details of of the gospel uh, but when he, when he believed in God's promises to him, he was believing the gospel of Jesus Christ in seed form. Because Jesus fulfills all the promises that God made to Abraham. All right, we're, let's uh, now jump down to verses 25 through 29 in Galatians 3. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, We are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. That's a great passage. There's so much here. Um, Paul, what Paul is doing here is he's just connecting all of these ideas and people together. He's connecting everything together here just as Jesus did in John 8. What he's saying here is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, in his word, in his gospel then we become adopted sons of God. And if we are in Christ, then we are Abraham's offspring, just as Jesus was, right? He is, Abraham then is our father, and then we are his children. And children are heirs of their parents, right? And so we become heirs, the rightful heirs of all the promises that God gave to Abraham and his offspring. This is why Abraham is so important for Christians. Because the promises of Abraham push us towards Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ. So, so much more could be said uh, about this. But let's now jump back to uh, John chapter 8. And let's see this third and last teaching of Jesus. Uh, and, and, and it's this third one here that just explodes the conflict. So look with me at John chapter 8, and let's start in verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, 
If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? The prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Since Jesus has been telling uh, these Jews that, that they need to abide in his word, and if they keep his word, they will never see death, this has made the Jews suspicious of Jesus. Why does Jesus think his words are so important? What makes his words credible? Who is he making himself out to be if he thinks that his words can save people from death? Here we see Jesus' third teaching. Jesus is teaching that everyone should keep his word because he knows the Father. And he's glorified by the Father. And with the Father, he is the I Am. So Jesus' word is authoritative, credible, and it's life-giving and it's death-canceling because his word comes from the Father and, and he knows the Father. And in verse 58... We see the final thing that Jesus says that just makes the Jews explode in rage. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he is using uh, another one of those ego a me statements or phrases. He, this is, it means I, I am. And this is a reference to the divine name, the name Yahweh. The, the I am who I am, as God revealed himself uh, to be uh, to Moses at the burning bush. So here Jesus is declaring himself to be Yahweh with the Father. To be God with the Father. And this causes the Jews to burst with anger and to pick up stones and try to murder him for blasphemy. But Jesus' time to die had not yet come. And so he, he hid himself and he left the temple. How he was able to do that, I'm not sure. I don't know. But his time had not yet come. This attempted murder by the Jews, it revealed who they truly were, didn't it? They were murderers, just like their father. This showed that they were sons of Satan, the father of all murder. And so Jesus... Words about them proved to be true. His words were a catalyst that revealed who they truly were. They didn't have genuine faith in him. They didn't abide in his word. They were not his disciples. Let's end now by 
considering the blessings of abiding in Jesus' words. And in this passage, you know, we've seen a lot of, we've focused a lot on the great conflict between Jesus and the and the Jews. Um, uh, but if we kind of take that kind of take that conflict away for a little bit here, uh, we can see that Jesus has sprinkled some amazing promises in this passage uh, for us to hold on to if we have put our faith in Him. Uh, first, uh, we we uh, as we saw earlier, uh, Jesus promised us that that that. If, if we abide in his word, we will know the truth. We actually will know what is true. We'll have that firm, solid foundation of knowing what is actually true. And in a world that says that there is no truth, there's no greater foundation than what we can give each other than to come to God's word and, uh, and, and build our lives on a solid foundation of that which is actually true. And then Jesus also promises that this truth will set us free. Free from slavery to sin and to Satan and to the world and even to death. And this, uh, this, this freedom, it's a, it's, a, it's a lasting freedom. It's not just a, a, a temporary freedom. And then second, Jesus promises in this section that if we keep his word, if we believe it and hold fast to it and, and uh, obey it, that's what perseverance looks like. We then will uh, uh, never see death. We'll never see death. Now Jesus isn't saying that you and I will never physically die in this life. But what he is promising is that when we die, we will go from life here to everlasting life in heaven. Never tasting the second death of hell. As Christians, we journey from, from life to life, not life to death. And so we need not fear death. For our Savior, upon our physical death in this life, our Savior will greet us on the other side. He'll greet us along with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and, and the, the, the multitude of, of those who have gone before us, who have, who have walked by faith and not by sight. Their faith, for, for many, for those in the Old Testament, their, their faith was a faith uh, that looked forward. It looked forward to the, to, to, to the day of Christ. And our faith is a faith that looks backwards uh, to when the day of Christ uh, came. Uh, came in that mustard seed form and then began to flower and is ever flowering. We also saw today that Jesus is promising that if we abide in his words, Abraham will be our father. And as we saw in the Galatians passage, if Abraham is your father, then all the blessings promised to Abraham are yours. As his child, you are also an heir to all the promises made to Abraham. And so... The, the, the land that was promised to Abraham uh, is, is, is ours, but we don't just get you know, this, this uh, you know, small plot of land uh, called Canaan. Instead, uh, we, we get something greater. We get the better country, the heavenly one, the new heavens and the new earth. Also, just as... God promised to Abraham that he would be a God to him and to his offspring. So also uh, to us, we, 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 that promise is, 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 is ours. 
that God is our God. He is our Father. And we are one of His people. We are His own child, His, His, His very own son or daughter. And also, the promised Holy Spirit is ours. He, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's the guarantee of our inheritance. He's that, that down payment. Because right, right now, like, yeah, we haven't, we haven't received everything that we're promised, right? You know, we, we, we still, uh, we're still here, in, 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 uh, we still struggle with sin, and, and we still have diseases. And we, there's, you know, we've, we've, we've received the Holy Spirit now as, as a guarantee of what is to come. Not only have we received the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us, we also are now receiving the blessings of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, being within us. And so uh, blessings such as you know, justification and, 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 and the, for having a right standing before God and having the forgiveness of your sins, being adopted into God's family, having sanctification and, and growing in holiness, we receive the blessing of perseverance in our faith. And also the blessing this, that will ha- come to us one day, uh, the blessing of glorification. When, when, when Christ returns, we will rise again with new bodies, new glorious bodies that will never sin and never suffer ever again. So these are some of the blessings the, the, the tip of the iceberg of the blessings of, that come from abiding in Jesus' words. So, so are you abiding in the words of Christ? Is Abraham your father? Are you free? Are you in Christ? So test yourselves. Test yourselves about your relationship to the word of Christ. Are you abiding in it? Let's now pray for this to be so. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word here. We thank you, O Christ, that you can set us free from slavery to Satan, from slavery to our sins. We thank you that your work on the cross was sufficient to set us free. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the the, the penalty for us, for becoming a curse for us so that in Christ Jesus all the promised blessings that were to be Abraham, they are ours as well. And that we can now have the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would help us now to go from here in faith, to ever abide in your words, to hold fast to your word. And so we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.